Hello and welcome to The Joe Mobley Show. I'm your host, Joe Mobley, and you're listening to the only place in cyberspace where we talk about being conservative. We hit on current events, the politically correct cancel culture, and problems with civil discourse. But most importantly, we discuss what you can do to come out of the conservative closet. The Joe Mobley Show is a new and exciting podcast that airs weekly on Monday mornings. We have a range of controversial topics on deck. Even so, it's important that we hear from you what matters most. Be sure to send questions, comments, and things you'd like to hear discussed to ask at thejoemobleyshow.com. That's ask at thejoemobleyshow.com. To make sure you stay informed on the latest content, be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to great podcasts. Thank you so much to the listeners, and welcome back to The Joe Mobley Show. Today, we are going to have part two of my interview with Dr. Ashley Brady. If you caught last week's episode, then you know all about her. Ashley's a doctor of chiropractics, uh, excellent holistic health professional. You can find her um, at her own practice, Let It Be Chiropractic, in Lawton, Oklahoma. Uh, so if you're in southwestern Oklahoma, I highly recommend uh, that you stop in and have a chat um, and you know get some adjustments and what have you. From Dr. Ashley, you can check her out on Facebook, Dr. Ashley Brady, all one word. Brady is B-R-E-D-Y. Or on Instagram at Let It Be Cairo. And we are going to jump right in to the interview. And we're back. <laughs> See, that wasn't so bad. No, it wasn't. I hope that somebody gets um, something out of that. Like I said, I don't feel like I have a ton of profound things to say. Um, but hopefully something kind of struck a chord with somebody. Great. Well, I, I hear that people go to CNN for profound points. So <laughs> here at the Jamobly show, it's just normal people basically exploring common sense. Uh, so hopefully someone hears this portion of the conversation, which meant that you went over to thejoemobleyshow.com and hit support the show and filled out the form. So thank you for being here. You, man, you brought up like the kids, the kids portion of this whole COVID thing has been driving us crazy. You know that we moved. We already took our kids away from all of their friends. Um, and we're looking forward to making these connections with the new community. And then all of this ridiculousness goes on. And it's been so hard. Just like you said, it's been so hard on the littles. It has. It's been hard. It's been hard on the entire family unit, you know, in different ways. For the littles, from what we've seen in the office, you know, um, not that stranger danger is a bad thing, but, you know, for kids that I've seen since birth um, and, you know, I'm one of the only people that they saw, um, out and about for months at a time, like you could tell, you know, they were a lot more skittish. You know, there are kiddos in my office that are friends with other kiddos in my office and they didn't get to see each other for months. And, you know, they were around the ones that I'm thinking of were around two years old. And when they finally saw each other, Joe, it was heartbreaking. They squealed, they ran and hugged each other. And, you know, these two, you know, 
can't really communicate that well yet, but you could just tell. It was like, oh my gosh, my long lost friend. And they played, they ran around the office. You know, you could tell they missed each other. And then one of them had to leave. And the other one, you know, I have that glass door just stood at the door with his hands up on the door and just stood there and like watched the other one leave. And it was so sad. Yeah, you know, I've had a lot of good conversations with people, um, some really candid conversations where I've just told them that I just think what they're saying is wrong, and here's why. People are saying that the COVID-19 response has nothing to do uh, with the long-standing war against Christianity. Um, and I say, that's bullcrap. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is, you know, people like us that believe that we were created in the image of God, God created man, God created woman, God created everything, the universe, you know, right. the planets and yeah. all of this stuff. But the purpose for us uh, as people and the purpose for the church is actually to have community and we're relational beings. And probably one of the groups that this has devastated the most, especially with the re- ridiculous rules is the church um but apparently not the bars and strip clubs and casinos those are essential um as if you can socially distance at a strip club right it makes no sense yeah it's absurd um well and that's where you know if this is what frustrates me so much about i guess you could just say 2020 as a whole is the inconsistency in rules, right? Like, why can Walmart stay open, but a mom and pop shop can't? You know, why can the strip clubs and, you know, election rallies continue on, but a church can't? Um, If we're going to make rules, like, let's make them consistent and let's, you know, abide by them or whatever. But it's the inconsistency that just really, like, lights a fire in me, I guess. I get really worked up over it. My fiance has to be like, you need to breathe. You need to take a breath. (laughs) So yeah, I agree 100%. And the other thing is if you look at our suicide rates this year, um, those have skyrocketed. When you think about what these lockdowns have done for abusive relationships and, you know, kids who are in abusive households and how that's affected and impacted their lives. And, you know, I'm really proud of our schools for continuing to provide lunch for kids. You know, if they can get there, they still have food to eat that day. Um, But we are social beings and we need that interaction. And, you know, even with the mask wearing, not being able to see people's facial expressions, only being able to see them from the eyes up. That's a huge change. And I think that that's also a detriment um, to our mental health as a society. Um, It's been very interesting to watch people and, you know, our parents who are having to figure out what to do with their kiddos when it comes to school. Do they send them to school in person? Do they do virtual? Virtual has its own um, you know, I guess changes and issues with it as well. You know, parents have to be home to monitor that. So what do the working parents do? There's just a lot going on right now that's stressing everybody out that I don't think anyone ever really took into consideration before. Oh, 
drop my headphones for a second. That's never happened before. Fun, fun, fun. There's a first time for everything. Yeah, it's uh, this is the the special behind the scenes. I actually have to wear, um, I have to wear like big outdoor shooting muffs mm-hmm. over over my because I use like iPhone headphones. Yeah. Um, and that, which is funny because that's what you hear. Like you hear the sound through the iPhone microphone thing. Um, and I have my microphone here in front of me, but because these aren't the highest quality headphones, um, there's, there's like some sound bleed out into the room and this microphone is so sensitive. It actually picks that up. Wow. So it's quite the ordeal. Uh, but anyway, yeah, they're. There is so much to talk about there, just the effect of, you know, there are so many things that these masks and the communication barriers, there are so many effects that it's going to have that are going to be long lasting. Um, You know, we homeschooled before this, but uh, families who didn't or families who aren't and everything is, you know, digital or whatever. They just, they didn't think about a lot of things. It's crucial in the development process when you're learning how to speak to actually be able to see people's mouths. Uh, And we do it on the daily. We have a two-year-old, a four-year-old, and a six-year-old, and they're not saying things right. And we stop them and we make them listen with their whole face, you know, look at mommy, look at daddy. Mm -hmm. And we say the word, look at what our tongue is doing, look at what our mouth is doing. Um, So now my four-year-old can say thunder and she loves to make the th sound and sometimes she just rejoices and throws up her hands and says thunder and it's like that's that's because you can see our faces right and people don't a lot of people you touched on um child hunger a lot of people are completely oblivious to the fact uh that most cities in america have thousands of kids uh who actually get their food at school, maybe all the food that they're going to have, um, typically breakfast and lunch. Uh, that's reality for these kids. And people think everything is the same if you just have widespread Zoom learning or whatever. And it's like, no, no, it's not. Kids aren't meant to sit in front of a screen. Uh, but these other kids, if you want to talk about the disenfranchised people, these kids that don't have food are certainly getting screwed um, out of their development, their education, but their basic sustenance in the name of safety. Yeah. I use that term loosely. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like I said, if it was, I mean, COVID is a real virus. It is a real thing. Like I said, um, if you're a healthy person, most of the time, you're going to be fine. Now, if it was a virus like Ebola, like I could understand, you know, nobody goes anywhere. That's a virus that I would actually be very worried about. Um, but but I just, the interesting thing is we had Ebola in the U.S. not too long ago. And it, this was nowhere near the reaction. Isn't that just an interesting point of fact, though? And I tell that to people and because I'll tell you this, that happened in Dallas. We were three hours north. And when I saw it on the news, I was nervous. Like, what the heck? 
Yeah, it was like what was going to happen. But, you know, we went about living our daily lives. And that was literal Ebola. The number, the comparison <laughs> on how it spreads and the effect that it has on, you know, the population, totally, you know, more dangerous than COVID, obviously. And we didn't do anything. Well, and, you know, the other thing about this, the whole, the whole situation and, I don't really care, you know, what side you're on, if you're on the, you know, quote unquote, anti-mask side or the mask side, or even what political party you're a part of, the way people are treating other people. You know, you see the videos of people in the store that are on oxygen and not wearing a mask and people are yelling at them and screaming at them for not wearing a mask. And it's just like, is that what humanity has come to? Now, like, can we treat our fellow brothers and sisters that way on a regular basis? You know, my mom works in the office with me now, and we've talked about this a lot is at one point in time, and I still feel like it's kind of like this, but not as bad. You know, there was no right move to be made. Like you could not win in any situation, in any choice you made. You know, whether you chose to go out in public or whether you chose to stay home, like there was no good option on the plate. And I I think it just made a lot of people feel helpless and a lot of people are so burned out right now. Um, It really makes me sad to see because it's a detriment to their health as well. Yeah, that's that's something that military leadership uh, considers it's it's um oh, I forget what the formal name is called it's something like battlefield effectiveness uh like maximum effectiveness number uh but the basic theory is well it's not a theory it's a fact when the longer you're on the battlefield the less effective you are which makes sense you have heightened awareness you're constantly in you know condition black hyper aware every little thing is a threat the longer you spend in that mindset the more numb you become to the reality of it all uh so just like you said we're we're burnt out we've been on the battlefield for too long we've been you know something is trying to kill you Mm -hmm. you have that that sympathetic response but we've been like that every day for like 280 something days. Yeah. It's it's too much time on the battlefield. Well, if you look at the physiology physiology of it, so I'm glad that you mentioned sympathetic. Um so we know that to be your fight or flight part of your nervous system, right? You have your sympathetic and you have your parasympathetic. Parasympathetic is your rest and digest mode. That's the state that we were designed to be in most of the time. That's where we do our healing. That's where we digest our food. That's where we sleep. Um, That's where we do all of the physiological processes um, where we thrive and not just survive. Sympathetic mode, your fight or flight mode, was designed for surviving. So, you know, if you have to run from a bear... That's the mode your nervous system is going to be in. It's not worried about digesting your food. It's not worried, you know, about healing. It's not worried about going to the bathroom. It's not worried about even using logic. You know, if you look at the physiological things of that, your eyes dilate so you can see farther. 
your heart starts beating faster so that it can pump more blood out to your extremities rather than your organs so that you can run or fight for your life. Because at that point, your organs don't become the main priority. Um, Your breathing gets a lot shallower because you need to breathe a lot faster. And when you, and you start dumping all of those stress hormones, that cortisol and all of that, we weren't designed to be in that mode for long periods of time. And that's really where it starts to take a toll on our body. And we start to see a lot of breakdown, you know, in my office, I've seen the healing process slow down quite a bit. We're still seeing progress, but it's not the way that it once was, um, which also makes me sad. But sorry, I kind of had to go into that. That's my nerd mode. That's the stuff I love. But, you know, we weren't designed to be stressed out every day of our lives like this. And most people are these days. Yeah, it's it's not sustainable. I... I'm going to put you on hold for 30 seconds because my dog is driving me crazy, like <laughs> licking his paws and stuff. There's going to be like all of this like in the background. One second. Okay. Oh, come on, Momo. So... I can decide if I'm going to edit that out later or not. Uh, But if I keep it, yes, I have a dog. It's an eight-pound dog named Mozart. uh, Because, well, one, because why not? And two, uh, my wife and I are musicians, and we actually met at music school at Liberty University. And uh, so we named our dog Mozart. Perfect. Um, Yeah, I was voting for Puccini. Uh, for obvious reasons (laughs) right how cute is that Uh, so well now i have to leave this in Uh, (laughs) no editing whatsoever yeah uh, which is supposed to be the show is supposed to be completely unedited um the sound is eq'd but the comments are unedited barring anything super extraordinary i don't know i guess if someone gets killed while they're on the show (laughs) I will. I won't put that out. Hopefully, that never happens. Right? Wouldn't that be wild? That would be. Man, man, I forgot uh, the thing I was gonna say right before Mozart Gate. He was just down here, like rah, 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 rah. <laughs> gnawing just away like, his foot. Yeah, I know the um, the main microphone that I use. Pick that up. He's he probably all throughout the episode, just little dog licking or whatever he's doing which is great this is real life people yeah oh man but what was that thing you said yeah it's funny listening to you describe um the physiological response it's like i felt like i was in like a hand-to-hand combat class we talk about those very same things and like, you know, the eyes widening, I'm getting more information. It takes me longer to do the OODA loop, which is um, observe, orient, decide, and then take action. Yeah. Uh, so, so interesting. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. It's so interesting. We, and when you think about people's all year. health issues, it makes a ton of sense, right? Like you just said, it takes you longer to go through those thought processes, right? Because mm-hmm. at that point, your body's not really worried about sending all of the blood to your brain so that you can think super clearly if your body decides that it's in danger all it cares about is you making big decisions that are going to be you know 
life or death. How am I going to run away from this bear? Or how am I going to box it? Like, you know. So. So you're not going to believe this, but clearly in an effort to spite me, my dog is laying right outside the door, still licking. <laughs> He's like, and take that. Yeah. So touche Mozart Mobley. Well done, uh, my little yippy dog. Uh, but he gets the job done. Like if a cricket's on the front porch, he'll bark and we'll wake up and, you know, get our guns. And then we find out it's a cricket. It's like, oh, man, I thought this was going to be cool. I thought it was like a BLM protest or something. Uh, so we actually made it to all of your topics, at, at least somewhat. One of them here is logic reasoning. Uh, fallacies and civil discourse, um, which actually, oh yeah, we totally hit on because just like you said, logic goes out the window when there's that bear, when there's that threat. And it's like, I forget the, the Daily Wire personalities are like, this is day 200 and whatever, whatever of 15 days to slow the spread. But it's just like, I feel like this is never going to end. Like, they're just going to be like, can we just do this permanently? I mean, maybe we can do this for the flu. Maybe we can do this for, I don't know, an extra hot summer. Yeah, I think that that's a lot of the mental toll on people right now um, as well is there is no light at the end of the tunnel at this point. You know, like if they gave us a deadline of, you know, by January 25th, you know, all of this, you know, we can start lightening up all of the rules and, you know, letting people go on and live their life. People will be like, okay, I can make it to then, right? Like when you have a deadline, you can say, okay, one more day, one more week, and you kind of count down. But right now we don't have that. We don't have any sight of what are you talking about it's only 15 days to slow the spread Uh, yeah they said that at the beginning and here we are how many months later (laughs) i i I don't understand it's just aren't i thought it don't we start every 14th day we start over with the first day it's still just 15 days to slow the spread we're totally good totally fine and you know joe biden supposedly we'll be the president and then we'll be saved I, it'll be fine yeah it'll all be fine I, i'm We're not on. concerned <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i mean either way we are gonna be fine um you know at some point i feel like we all have to realize that we need to come together and support each other rather than tear each other apart um you know i don't ever comment on things on social media I guess you could say I'm a closet conservative as well because I just kind of I mean I make posts about masks and stuff like that but as far as commenting on other people's stuff I typically don't and one night I guess I was just feeling brave I don't know but I made a comment on someone's post and it was a very simple question it wasn't antagonizing it was just like can you explain to me this belief blah, 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 without getting into specifics. And this girl went on to, you know, attack my degree, you know, okay, doctor of chiropractic, not even an MD, let me clarify, and like attacked my office, attacked me as a person, and she didn't even know me. And then one of her friends private messaged me on Instagram, people I don't even know. And it was just like, you couldn't even 
answer my simple question without, you know, like attacking me as a person, attacking my values or what you think are my values. So that's more of the like appeals to authority type of, uh, well, a couple of different fallacies. But the thing that drives me crazy is you don't need degrees, folks. The number one thing that you need to do is read, um, you know, read and talk to people to be intelligent, not have degrees. Uh, and it, it's common sense, people. Einstein, largely regarded as one of the smartest people to ever live, did terrible in a bunch of different school subjects. That's not what it's about. It's about common sense. Like I, I don't understand a lot about medicine, but one of my favorite classes when I was in high school was biology. I loved it. I had Miss Bywaters. I don't know her first name, uh, but man, excellent educator um, and just super cool. She kind of reminded me of Miss Rizzle a little bit, I <laughs> nice. guess. Uh, so hashtag magic school boss. Yes. But man, when the when the frontline doctors came out and they were talking about like the the mechanism of activation and mm -hmm. cells, I was like, wait a minute. I know about this. This makes sense. And I'm not a doctor, not a biologist, not a, a molecular, I don't know, whoever studies molecules and cells and things. But when you're talking about, when they were first talking about zinc and hydrochloroquine and balancing out the cell, guys, that's the way that it works. There was nothing more scientific than that, um, that when you balance a cell, you can't you know, you can't get something else in it or just like an, an atom that's balanced. You know, that's why people get struck by lightning. It makes sense. This works when there's that imbalance. This is possible. Right. But to hear that kind of refuted, like, guys, this is settled science. There's never been an instance that goes against what, what these doctors were saying. Ugh, we're saying. Right. You know, it's just... We've entered a phase where people no longer have faith in the healing power of their own body, right? Like we're relying on a mask, a cloth mask to be our immune system instead of promoting, you know, vitamins and supplements and healthy habits. Like why aren't we, I have a shirt that says mandate vegetables. Like why aren't we pushing healthier lifestyles so that people are more adaptable to stresses such as viruses. Um, that doesn't make any sense to me. And I've, you know, I really try to kind of see it from the other side's perspective, right? Because we're all human. We're not right 100% of the time, even though, you know, I would like to think that I am. I know I'm not. Nobody is. And part of learning and growing is being able to take in new information and learn from it and be able to change your stance, right? Like that's the beautiful thing of being able to use logic and use your brain. And so why aren't we educating people on healthier lifestyles? Mm -hmm. That's my question. I, I love the being able to change your mind thing. And that's like a test that I put to people all the time. Uh, which I can't remember if I've said this in an interview yet, but 
This is one of those practical things that you can do when you're trying to have these honest conversations with conservatives, with liberals, with independents, with people who are apolitical and they don't give a crap either way. Um, but to kind of give someone a litmus test to see if they actually are open-minded, straight up ask them, can you tell me about a belief that you once had that you changed your mind on? 100%. And if they can, I guarantee it's usually going to be a mainstream belief. Like my dad would say that, um, you know, he, he once was completely anti-gay and now, you know, now he has a, a, a gay, a lesbian daughter. Mm-hmm. His mind has changed. It's like, well, dad, that's kind of like mainstream. Like, also, you were kind of forced into it. Um, <laughs> but I have several things that I've changed my mind on, which is to say what I thought before was wrong. And that's fine. Yeah, that is fine. And, you know, with a lot of things, though, is there a right and a wrong or is it just a personal choice? Yes. Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad that you said that. You know, and the last thing to you. Go ahead. Well, like, you know, just because you make a choice one way and then decide later on, like, "Mm, I really wish I would have made this other choice or now that I have more information, I'm going to make this other choice now. That is not a bad thing. That's part of evolution and growing, right? Like you have to go through every life experience in order to learn things and grow and change and evolve to become the person you are today. So just because, you know, you made one choice doesn't make it necessarily the right or wrong choice. It's just the choice you made. And sometimes, you know, it's not a very educated decision. And you may later on learn more about that topic or that subject and decide to make a different choice. And that's okay, too. That's part of life. That's part of being human. Exactly. It's like. Are, are we free? Are we autonomous? Do we have agency? Because if we do, then we actually get to decide. The government doesn't. In some instances, our spouse doesn't. Our friends don't. Like, I don't know if you know this about me, but <laughs> I freaking love ice cream. A Ben & Jerry's pint is a single serving for me. <laughs> and I know that they recommend three servings in that 1,200-calorie you know, vat of goodness, but girl, I eat the whole thing. And, you know, some weeks, some weeks I eat the whole, a whole Ben and Jerry's every other night. Guess what? That's bad for me, people. I know it. Just like a smoker knows it's, it's bad for their health, just like an alcoholic knows, but I have the right to eat my Ben and Jerry's Bloomberg second. Uh, you know, my People out there that smoke have the right to do it. We know that it's bad for their health. We know that a lot of them are going to die from lung cancer or other, you know, respiratory illness. Right. Uh, but don't but force they it have on others. The right to do it. Yes, I know. Thank you. So, like, if a mask works and you've got it on, then you're covered. Uh, but you can't make me wear it. But actually, you know, and some people have tried, and you know, no. Like, I don't feel bad about saying I don't wear a mask. I don't. Right. I don't. I, I go to the grocery store and people give me nasty looks. But here's the thing. And I've talked to a couple of people about it. Um, and, you know, sometimes I'm wearing a shirt that says, like, I pack or something. And it's got, like, a Glock on it or something. <laughs> the thing is, are you physically going to make me put on a mask? Because the answer is no. 
Right. And I can see the look in their eyes. They're kind of like, oh, actually, this is kind of like a big, scary black dude. I mean, <laughs> he, he seems like he would just break me in half like a toothpick. Right. But the funny thing is, I won't. I'll just walk away. I'm not going to put on a mask. You're not going to put one on me. I get my things. I get out of the store. You're covered. You've got your magical mask. It works. It's, it's, yeah. you know. And, you know, that's the thing with, you know, anything that involves your body, right? Like you have the right to choose what you put on or in your body. And, you know, I personally don't care what choice you make as long as you don't make me follow the same choices. You know, this used to be a basic idea. <laughs> it used to be. And now it's like some novel thing that seems kind of like a unicorn these days. But, you know, yeah. you know, I've done my research. I know what choices I'll make for me, myself, my family. Um, but, you know, I don't force that on anyone. I don't force that even on my patients. You know, I, most of my patients don't even know what choices I would personally make for me and my family, unless they've specifically asked me, right? Like, and to me, that's just, I don't know, that's just the way it should be. Like, it shouldn't be some polarizing topic of like, oh, you don't wear a mask, we can't be friends. I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's the whole thing. That's what's nuts about all of this. And it doesn't need to be this way, people. That's, that's the whole point. We can talk. Ashley and I don't agree about everything. We seem to agree <laughs> about a lot of this stuff, but, you know, surely we could bring up a bunch of topics that I haven't had a guest that I agree with everything on. But come on, people, you can be friends and you can hear each other's beliefs and learn from what other people believe. You don't even have to change your mind. It's fine. Well, no, and those beliefs are going to come from life experience, right? That's what help, mm -hmm. helps shape our beliefs. You know, I grew up in a middle-class, hardworking family. You know, I was the kid that, like, we made enough money to where I didn't qualify for a lot of scholarships for college, but we weren't poor enough that, you know, like, we weren't rich enough to pay for my school, but we didn't make enough, you know, vice versa. Mm -hmm. And so I grew up learning a pretty solid work ethic. And so, you know, that shapes a lot of my opinions. I grew up in Southwest Oklahoma in the Bible Belt. That shapes a lot of my own opinions and beliefs. The beauty of it is, of it, is it can change if I research, if I talk to people, if I, you know, look at evidence, statistics, data, all of that stuff. But a lot of it's life experience and the experiences you've gone through. And you don't, I personally don't think that you have the right to say that anyone's experiences are any more valid than somebody else's. Yeah, you, you don't. It's, it's nuts. And it's breeding some pretty nasty policies, these compulsory speech laws, um, which thankfully they haven't gone out to all 50 states. They're in some states and they're in Canada and in the UK where if you don't say something, if you don't say the two plus two equals five, you get fined or you go to jail. It's like oh, wow. full blown 1984 in some of these That's crazy. countries. It's nuts. I take it back. Everyone should read 1984. 
Yeah. <laughs> Bonus book number three. Actually yes. Got all the books. Oh yeah. Uh, George Orwell. If if you don't understand a lot of these Orwellian uh, references out in society, guys, you gotta read that book. Again, the freaking audiobook. I don't care. Um, this is this is exactly what's going on. Know about the eternal present where. All of the books have been rewritten, all of the paintings repainted, all of the records re-recorded, where there's no past or present, but just, or no past or future, just the eternal present, where the party is always right. And you will think that this book was written for right now. For 2020. (laughs) Yeah, it's freaking nuts. The government is not and cannot be allowed to be the arbiter of truth. Something is not true just by virtue of them saying it. Right. And we've got to get, yeah, we got to get past that. Otherwise, you know, is, is the government like, and I have no qualms with the government, like majorly, but you want what's best for you more than anyone else. There, there isn't an office of government or a branch of government that actually wants better for Ashley than Ashley does, or better for Joe than I do. Like, come on, this is common sense. This is like basic truth that fifth or five-year-olds in the 1800s of this country would have known this. Right, well, and you know what's, um, you know, interesting is I feel like 2020 has created this very clear divide of people who are very, they want you know, a lot of government control and depend on the government and all of that stuff. And then it's kind of created this other side that now wants no part of the government, right? And the thing of it is, is like government serves a purpose. It has a time and a place, but it has to, you know, kind of be in that moderation phase. You know, like everything is good with moderation, um, there needs to be very clear, distinct lines in the sand for the government. You know, they can't have too much power, but we also don't want to, you know, take away all of their power either. There has to be this good balance of it, which was originally how it was designed. Um, But 2020 has just been a very interesting uh, experience, (laughs) I guess. The 2020 experience. Yeah. Coming to a theater near you. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <clears throat> Man. Well, I can talk forever. We've gone well over the 90 minutes that I asked you for. Um, <laughs> is there anything else that you want to chat about? No, this was great. Like I said, I hope that this was, you know, good, helpful, that people get something out of it. I'm not a professional podcaster, so... And I could talk about COVID all day long. You can tell I'm still a little salty about it. Yeah, and so are millions of other people. Um, It's interesting, though. There are a lot of people in all of the relevant fields that are coming out against it in emergency management and government and medicine and education. It's I'm hopeful because... We are still, we're not a socialist country. People are still speaking their minds and kind of saying, you're full of it, you know, Fauci, or you're full of it, you know, Trump in some cases. Uh, 
what you're saying doesn't make sense. It's not true and it's not going to fly. So I'm hopeful. I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. I agree. Um, you know, I haven't given up hope yet. I think there's still, there's still hope for us. We're not hopeless guys. Um, but it is going to come down, I think, to us standing up for ourselves in that way, you know, calling them out, making them explain themselves, making them present the facts rather than the doctored data. Um, accountability is like the biggest thing right now, right? Like so far, there really hasn't been a ton of accountability. So holding people accountable, well, I think will make one of the biggest changes. And I talk to my patients about that all the time. You know, I talk to them about being advocates for their own health. Like you should be asking your doctors questions, right? You should be asking them why they want to do whatever procedure they're wanting to do or giving you whatever medication they're giving you. Like you should be not, I guess, challenging them, but respectfully, right? Like asking them why they're choosing the direction that they're choosing so that you understand it, so that it makes sense. And that way, if you feel like you want a second opinion, you can go get it. Like you always have options. That's the beautiful thing about America. I, this episode is never going to (laughs) end. I'm so glad you brought that up. Girl, girl, (laughs) I knew the names and probably emails of patient advocate offices and patient advocate personnel in three different hospitals in in uh, Lawton because, you know, having been a patient there. Can I just say, so um, we, we did the Bradley, um, like, husband coach birth method. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so, yeah, I'm a Bradley certified birth coach, uh, which doesn't mean you. a lot. It just means that I'm really good at encouraging the woman who's doing all the work Heck and yeah. letting her know that she can do it and get through it. So all of our babies are Bradley babies. No interventions, no anything. I think Eliza had saline for one because she was dehydrated. Nice. Um, I like it. So, yeah, girl is a champ, can yes. I just say. <laughs> like, <laughs> She's a rock star. she wants to have more, and so do I. So, yeah, super excited about that. Yes, I can't wait for more little <laughs> Mowgli babies. Well, me neither. Uh, so, no no news to report right now. But, <laughs> but can I, you freaking nailed it. I got into an argument. Not once, but twice with um, with OBs who were gonna, you know, soon after deliver my children. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them was because I won't say which hospital, or I guess I can't say which child either. But for one of them, they said that they had to pump, you know, drug X, um, which was supposed to help with afterbirth and blah 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 blah. Of course, they're typically dealing with totally you know, a a woman who's just gone through a crazy ordeal or a guy Mm -hmm. who's totally checked out and doesn't care or know anything about anything. Right. And we, we gave very specific birth instructions. We talked about like, you probably know this. I I can plan for contingencies. So like, yes, I'm not useless in in a disaster. (laughs) I'm actually pretty useful. So, uh, you know, which we actually had on one of the other births, but that's a story for a different day. (laughs) 
anyway, the doctor says, well, we're, we're doing this. And Eliza looks at me and we had already talked that if she didn't want to argue with someone, she'd kind of give me the look and I would say, hey, this is what's happening. Right. Period. Uh, so I say, no, she's, she's not having that. She doesn't want it. She just told you. Uh, and she's done. She made her declaration. And now I am the, the advocate for her. So, right. yeah, if she wants to interject, she will. But they told us this. Get this. It's a hospital policy, so we have to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty much the story. I so I said, basis. I said, great. Um, call, bring down the patient advocate and the hospital's general counsel. Uh, because you actually can't have a policy. It's actually illegal to have a policy. It's like if I own Walmart and I made a policy that said everyone who enters Walmart has to carry a firearm. Of course I can't do that. There can't be a policy that makes you do something that you don't want to do, especially a medical intervention. Yeah. I have the right to sign a DNR that says, let me die. Yeah. Religious people for certain religions have the right to not accept blood transfusion transfusions, even if they're life-saving or other life-saving interventions. So don't dare tell me that I or my wife or my child is subject to a hospital policy as a person. Are you nuts? Sorry, I Are, just burst in the background. <laughs> Oh, I thought that was you laughing. No, like, but I am laughing because that's like a very common story. <laughs> yeah. And I tell people all the time, I don't give a crap about your policy. You can't have a policy that supersedes the natural rights of the individual. What if I have a policy that I slap stupid people? <laughs> that doctor would have been slapped. Yeah. And the, the snooty nurse that she had in there who was removed from our patient care team. Which yep. is something you can do, people. They work for you. You're well, there getting a service and that you pay for. That's the thing is people don't understand that they're hiring their doctor to work for them. And to think that, you know, medicine, whatever, will work for everyone um, just goes to show that they don't understand how normal human physiology works because everybody's physiology is just a little bit different, right? It's unique. So to think that one policy is just an umbrella for everyone, like that sounds like a disaster to me. Well, patient history is not really important um, and the nuances of different people. We're just going to do the same thing to everyone. Yeah. It's insane. Because well, guess what? She didn't have it, and she's fine. Right. And she's a superhero, so take that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man, that lady. Every time I think about this doctor, uh, which is so weird because we had such intentional meetings about the birth plan because we want your input. You're a doctor. You're an expert. You're a professional. You do know more about us, or you do know more about this than us. Mm-hmm. And... You know, we had them answer all of our questions way before the actual delivery, and they just throw that one in there at game time. Like, oh, yeah, we've got a pumper full of all of these drugs. We didn't tell you this when you told us that you didn't want any drugs. <laughs> Oops, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's one of my biggest things is just empowering people and, like, letting them know that, you know, 
they do have options and they don't have to make a decision right then and there most of the time. Obviously, unless it's a life or death situation. But most of the time, like you have time to do a little bit of research and to decide for yourself if that's actually what is the best thing for you. And again, again, folks, you can make the bad decision. You can make the decision to not have the life-saving intervention and die. That's If true. the doctor is empowered to decide for you, then you are no longer free. You no longer have rights. And whoever's an expert in anything actually has authority over you. I'm a security expert. If you're not, then I get to say what kind of alarm system you have and what kind of guns you have and what kind of car you drive because I'm the expert. Yep. That's not how this works. Yep. And that also leads into no checks and balances, that accountability section, right? Like I was talking about how there needs to be accountability with, you know, our government. Well, there needs to be accountability for our doctors as well. Um, you know, I've always told people like, I will never stop learning. I will never stop going to seminars. I will never stop trying to get better. A, because I don't want to become irrelevant, but B, that's how I know I'm providing the best care for my patients. The doctors who quit learning years ago because, you know, it is the way that it is, or this is the way it always has been, and that's the way that it needs to be from now on as well. I, I don't want to say that they're not providing the best care, but, you know, we talked about open-mindedness with political views. There needs to be an open-mindedness between doctor and patient relationship as well. See, I'm going to disagree. I think the best thing to do for medicine is to just use Dr. Fauci's Twitter. You know, he can answer anything. <laughs> like, well, there you second go. Opinion. I guess a second opinion is if you tweet him and DM him. There, there's your second opinion. <laughs> and you know what, Joe? I'll agree to disagree with you there. But we can still <laughs> be friends, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If I actually thought that, you probably would not be <laughs> be legit. That'd be justified. Yeah. So I just, I just wish people would do a little bit more research on their own, other than social media, because that is where a lot of people, especially my generation, gets their information. You know, like I don't watch the news. Most of what I know that's going on in the world is from social media. Unfortunately, I'm not proud of that fact, FYI. But you know. That is where people go for information now. Um, so maybe just dig a little bit further into the things that you're reading online would be my advice. A hundred percent. We're seeing, obviously, I, I do a lot on LinkedIn and I'm always kind of helping people with networking and uh, resume prep and interview prep. Um, so younger people, and I, I'm the same generation as you, I, I'm a younger person, but people that are even younger than I are asking, you know, why are all of these job announcements talking about qualitative and quantitative analysis? And I'm telling them what they're asking you is, can you discern things? Can you read something and, you know, separate the wheat from the chaff? Or are you a mindless, you know, person who can't think for yourself? But the legal way they can ask you that is do you have research and analysis skills? Do you, are you capable of qualitative and or quantitative analysis? 
what they're asking you is, can you read something and decipher what's true and what's not true, which is unfortunately a dying art uh, here in this freaking, in this year especially, but also in this like century. And do you think that's because we have smartphones? Like, do you think it's because because we have smartphones? We have Google in our pocket and we can look up anything at any point in time. Like, we don't value having knowledge in our brains, like stored in our brains. Do you think that that's part of the reason? Or do you just think it's, you know, we don't have as high of standards for education? I definitely think the access to information like you described is a huge part of it. Um, But it also, it changes the mechanism of thought where I I think a couple of things. We need to have a love of learning. Um, We foster that in our house. We all read. um, And if you can't read, then you sit down and you're read to um, there. We just moved into this new house and it's beautiful. Um, there are like TV mounts all over the place. They're just sitting there. We have one TV. There's like a second auxiliary TV room up here outside the office. In our home, it's the reading room, and there were just books in there, and there are a couple of like little educational games as well. Oh, cool. Um, but you know, people have to have a love of reading, but the mechanism bypasses skepticism. Okay. And you you have to be not like You don't need to be a conspiracy theorist, which, by the way, conspiracy is one of the most popular crimes in the world, because in order to do any type of organized crime, virtually any crime that's not a crime of passion, especially if it involves more than one person, you have to conspire people. That's actually what you need to do. (laughs) Financial crime is almost impossible without conspiring. Uh, But anyway, uh, people get arrested, prosecuted and convicted for conspiracy all the time. But I'm supposed to be crazy if I believe that conspiracy is real. Uh, Any terrorist organization the world's ever known, they conspire. You know, any transnational crime organization the world's ever known conspires. But anyway, you got to be a skeptic. You have to have a love of learning. You need to read. Access to the information is great, but you need to scrutinize it. Is it true? Google told me it on my phone, in my pocket. Check, check, check. But is it true? Right. Can I, uh, what's it called? Like, not proof text. What's the word? Like, can I validate this? Or is there evidence to the contrary? Like with COVID. Right. Yeah. Well, oh. and, you know, sometimes that research takes time, which mm-hmm. people, attention spans are very short these days. So I feel like people don't like to take the time to actually research both sides of it. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, like you, you mentioned work ethic earlier. Um, work ethic definitely applies here. If if we can superimpose it on like civility, like civic work ethic or something, mm-hmm. so you're just not out here spouting nonsense <laughs> loudly and passionately. Yeah, I agree with that. Because some people, I want to be like, do you actually hear what you're saying? Like, let's break this down. Like, let's think about this for just a second. (laughs) I had a guy tell me that it took the virus two weeks to make it all the way through the body. That's why you had to quarantine for two weeks. 
And it took everything in me to be like, you're dumb. No, kind of, but not really. Well, that's but it's, not how that works. Yeah, I was just like, who told you that? And what health classes have you taken in your life? Like, he had a pretty good degree, which is also goes to show, like, degree isn't everything. Um, but I just looked at him, and I was just like, do you really think it takes your immune system that long to recognize that there is an issue? Because that's not what I want for my immune system. Like, if there's a problem, I want it to pick it up pretty quickly. But it was a very interesting conversation. Wow. Um, wow. I have not heard that. Yeah, it was a new one for me, too. Interesting. Yeah, that's not how that works. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, your your temperature changes 0.1 degrees and your, your body picks up on that. But whatever. Yeah. Uh, interesting. What a conversation. It was very interesting. <laughs> Very interesting. All right. Well, I hear my littles, uh, and I am curious what they're doing because they're kind of making noise, but they're kind of being quiet, which kind of suggests to me that they're getting into something. And I'm not sure <laughs> if Eliza's back from the chiropractor, but... Gotcha. I think she is. Oh, I just heard a fan turn on, so someone's here. Uh, anyway... I am going to call it Ashley. Always a pleasure to talk yes. to you. We'll have to do another like FaceTime uh, deal <clears throat> with yes. Eliza and you and I soon. Yes. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Joe Mobley Show. Remember to subscribe and make sure you don't miss out on future content. You can always show your support by leaving a review or making a financial contribution by going to thejoemobleyshow.com and hitting support the show. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. If that was the first prayer you've ever prayed, I hope it won't be the last. Until next time, this is The Joe Mobley Show.